Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon to you and yours, wherever you are. Man, we appreciate you joining us today, Tuesday, May 23rd, the year 2023. Oh, they're celebrating in the Mile High City. And are they going to wait to see if Miami will join them in the NBA Finals? To do so, Miami will have to beat Boston tonight. Southeastern Conference Tournament is underway. LSU knows who they will play tomorrow at 9.30. McNeese trying to keep their season alive at home tonight as the Southland Conference Tournament gets underway. And the Saints are on the practice field. Who's there? Who's not there? Does anybody care care? We shall see. These stories and much, much more coming your way. We're guided each and every day by my producer, James Mesh, who's inside the Evco Development Studios. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're in, uh, available on KLCJ 1041 Lake Charles, streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, well, you can turn your television set on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. LeBron had 40 to go along with 10 rebounds and 9 assists. The Lakers jumped out by 6 after 1 by 15 at the half. And then they sat down. They exhaled. They rested. And that's all Denver needed as the Nuggets came out with a 36-16 to blowout in the third quarter. And they held on to survive and advance to the NBA Finals. Denver 113, the Lakers 111. The Nuggets just all around, just a great team. And Nikola Jokic named the Western Conference MVP with another triple-double of 30 points. 14 rebounds, 13 assists, 25 points for Jamal Murray, 22 points for Aaron Gordon, 15 for Michael Porter Jr., 13 for Contavious Caldwell-Pope. This is just a team with depth, experience, talent. It's going to be a monumental task for whoever comes out of the East to beat them. LeBron James contemplating retirement he said i'm just gonna have to sit back analyze evaluate and see where i am he's not gonna retire he's still great in his 20th season comes up with 40 points he showed the will and the desire to win 
Some of his teammates didn't help that much. D'Angelo Russell, gone. He's history. Forget about it. Um, and the Denver Nuggets succeed. Tonight, it's another 3-0 scenario as the Miami Heat at home will try and put away the Boston Celtics once and for all. Miami with a three games to zip lead in the series. They took the heart and the soul out of the Celtics in game three, winning by 26. We'll see what happens tonight. And uh, if, if Boston can put up a fight, LSU will begin Southeastern conference tournament play tomorrow, nine 30 first pitch. You'll listen to it right here on the game. One Oh three, seven Lafayette, one Oh four, one Lake Charles. Now, because of today's first game, LSU knows that they will play South Carolina. The six-seeded Gamecocks shut out Georgia, the 11th seed, nine to zip, nine to zip. Currently, right now, it's Texas A&M and Tennessee. It's the bottom of the fifth, and the Aggies with a two-zip lead over the Volunteers. Still to come this afternoon and evening bracket, Alabama and Kentucky in game one of the afternoon session, Missouri and Auburn in the nightcap. So the SEC is underway. Yes, indeed. So um, good luck. Um, Rob, Bob Ursay, the Jim Ursay, excuse me, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, said that uh, the NFL owners are set to extend Roger Goodell's contract through. 2027, said Ursay from the league's spring meeting today. Uh, owners discussed the commissioner's contract but did not finalize anything. Goodell is 64 years old, and he makes just an absolute ton of money. I'm not sure how much, but he makes a bunch. Um, Bob Rose will join us as he normally does on each and every Tuesday for the Black and Gold Report. OTAs today, we'll find out who's there, who's not there, um, and how these Saints are looking. Yes, indeed. So we'll see. The Saints, meanwhile, have been given permission to become the first team in the NFL to market their brand in France. Now, I don't know what that exactly means other than to say the deal grants the Saints access to marketing, fan engagement, and commercialization activations in France. I still don't know what that means. They're going to sell T-shirts. They're going to sell helmets. They're going to sell stuff. Um, there is a rich French history and culture that is still palpable in New Orleans today, and that may be, I'm sure, the reason why the Saints are choosing to market to France. It's no secret the Saints have fans in Europe. So um, there you go. France is the Saints NFL Global Market Programming Territory. We'll see how much uh, money Gail Benson can make out of that deal. Right? So the Rams, marketing fans in China, Australia, New Zealand, and Mexico, uh, for instance, but for the Saints, it's just France. And for France, it's just the Saints. For now, anyway. So we'll see. We'll see what that does to the bottom line, plain and simple. Um, we'll discuss the Saints and the OTAs, and we'll see a couple of things 
that uh, will take place. The dates for the first OTAs are today, the 23rd, the 24th, Wednesday, and Thursday, the 25th. Um, remember, the Saints held rookie minicamp two weeks ago, but this is the first time all members of the team are welcome to practice. It is not mandatory. You're always looking for participation, the roll call, who's going to be there. Um, as you heard in the two-minute drill, the only veteran who has made it clear he will be in, ten in attendance is defensive end Cam Jordan. And I'm here to say I certainly hope the Saints and Cam Jordan and his representation can come to a conclusion where Cam Jordan ends his career as a New Orleans Saint and he doesn't go somewhere else. Um, so we shall see. Wide receiver Michael Thomas dealt with a foot injury through most of last season is already not expected to be a full participant during the summer, but it'd be nice if he would show up, show up, show out, show that you're all in. It sets an example to everyone else. So we'll see. Um, Derek Carr said he's going to be there. Um, get some work in. Will Jameis Winston be there? And your guess is as good as mine. I know Jake Hayner will be there. He's looking for all the reps he can do it. He can do. The Saints have welcomed five new assistant coaches this offseason. They were present for the rookie minicamp two weeks ago, but this will be their first time working with any of the other players who make an appearance. So new coaches, how will that work out? Time will tell. Um, and it's, as Dennis Allen, the head coach, said last week, it's absolutely conceivable that tight end Foster Moreau will participate in OTAs. If that is indeed the case, and that does happen this week, then Moreau's return to the football field will make will mark two months between his Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis and his recovery from cancer. Uh, the Saints medical staff would not have cleared him if there were any doubt. So we'll be on the lookout for that as well. Um, busy show planned for you and yours. Uh, we'll hear from LSU baseball coach Jake Johnson. We'll hear from the SEC player of the year, Dylan Cruz. We'll hear from the SEC picture of the year, Paul Skeens coming up. And then Anthony Renato, the former Tigers star on the mound, big league picture, will join us. Uh, what is the Tigers' approach in this tournament, we haven't heard who's starting tomorrow at 9.30 a.m. Do you dare go with Skeens, or do you give him his full allotment of rest? Do do uh, Johnny Holstaff pitching tomorrow and save Skeens for Thursday? The last time he pitched was Thursday in Athens. So we'll talk to Anthony Renato about that. Chris Dotson will talk NBA playoffs in hour number two. Bob Rose, Saints News Network, the Black and Gold Report coming up around 3.15 this afternoon. So there's the lineup. We are excited. Hope you are as well. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back after this first timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Riding coasters, live music, and fried fair food. The Cajun Heartland State Fair is back. And the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving away family packs of ride tickets. Just text CHSF 
to 337-283-8100 for a chance to win a family pack of tickets. That's 80 tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair at the Cajun Dome, May 25th to June 4th. Brought to you by the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. And we're back 17 minutes after the hour. We begin our program today talking about LSU baseball as they are the number three seed in the SEC baseball tournament that is underway we know that south carolina beat georgia nine zip in game one right now texas a&m in a kind of a surprise with a three zip lead over tennessee now in the bottom of the sixth lsu will open up against south carolina um uh, you know i, I don't know what jake johnson is going to do i haven't heard anything about uh, how he is approaching this tournament but he was asked before uh, as the Tigers were leaving for um, Hoover. And we want to thank TigerBait.com for letting us uh, get this audio from them. Jake Johnson was asked about his approach, knowing this isn't, you know, look, you're going to play in the SEC tournament. You're going to host a regional. So this is not the end of your season. Here's head coach Jake Johnson. You know, it's a unique uh, situation. You know, this team's done such a good job with the regular season schedule. Like, you know, we've played our way to where we want to be and and playing postseason baseball at home. And so uh, that's ultimately, you know, I want these guys to get to Omaha. I want them to experience Omaha. And so the tournament that's going to decide that, um, you know, we've, we've done what we need to do, you know, for in regards to that. You know, with that being said, um, you know, we don't cancel games that we schedule, you know, for any any reason. We've talked about that before. And if you put the the Tiger uniform on, whether it's the purple, the gold or pinstripe or white or gray jersey, um, there's an expectation that we're competing to win. Like I said, these guys are winners and we, we play to win. Um, I'll be the one that'll make the decisions, maybe what's in the best interest of next week. But, you know, Dylan Cruz is going to step in the box and you're going to you're going to compete you know, to beat that pitcher's tail, you know, and whoever we put on a mound at whatever time, you know, they're, they're going to try to execute. And um, I mean, we're excited to be here. And it's a, I think it's one of the best uh, events in all of amateur baseball. And so there's a little bit of energy that comes along with it. Um, so the players just need to go play and compete and, and all handle those, uh, you know, maybe long-term or uh, next week type decisions as they're relative to this. Well said. Um, Dylan Cruz named the SEC Player of the Year in 55 games in which he started all 55. He was an Ironman, didn't miss a one, knock on wood. Um, Dylan Cruz batting 423, 194 plate appearances. He had 82 hits, crossed the plate 79 times, 13 doubles, a triple, 14 home runs, 57 RBIs. He was walked 56 times. He was hit by pitches 12 times. He struck out only 34 times. Um, he, he's been terrific. He was a perfect 1,000% 1, 1, 
uh, in his fielding percentage with 122 putouts. He is a he's a five tooler to say the least, and in all likelihood, the number one pick in the upcoming MLB draft. Dylan Cruz asked, "How are y'all mentally headed into this postseason run?" We all we're all mentally sharp right now, to be honest. You know, we're uh, we know there's a lot of expectations uh, for for us and. We're trusting the guy next to us um, every day. I think uh, you know this. This you know this isn't new for us. You know it's it's always been a you know a, a program of excellence and expectations. But um, yeah, we're not really listening to anything um, outside of the locker room, and you know just trusting the guy next to next to us. All right. So the regular season is over. It's SEC time. What are your thoughts, Dylan Cruz, on being in Hoover? Yeah, we're def we're going in here trying to win this game, uh, win this tournament. You know, we're going straight out of the gate, really wanting to win this tournament. You know, um, you know, fulfill some expectations, and you know, uh, this is definitely, you know, I think I've I've only played four total games here, but um, you know, it's uh, it's something that I've I've definitely wanted to do and and uh, go far in, and you know, I, I want to win this tournament for sure, and I think everybody else does. So, so many expectations, as you said, um, as Dylan Cruz said, uh, a great offensive team. You got the best picture in all of college baseball. So Dylan Cruz, I, I'd, I'd be shocked if I don't get the affirmative on this question, but he was asked, is this team the best equipped to make a run? Yeah, I think so. I think so for sure. You know, I think we got a lot of experience underneath, uh, on this, on this team. We have a lot of experience on, on this team and, um, you know, a lot of guys that can step up at any moment, really, you know, um, you know, we've had, obviously, you know, we've got pitchers that can go in at any moment. They can start uh, at any moment. They're ready for that. They understand that. And, you know, we got guys in, on the, you know, that's not starting on the bench that could, that could really come in at any moment, any part of the lineup and, and uh, have a big hit. Um, so I think, you know, that's what's going to take this team to the next level for sure. So that's Dylan Cruz, center fielder, the SEC Player of the Year. Paul Skeens is the SEC Picture of the Year. Both of them are Golden Spikes Award finalists. Both of them will be on every All-American team there is. Um, Paul Skeens started 14 games this year. He has a 10-1 and record with a 1.77 ERA. An astounding Astounding 164 strikeouts to only 15 walks in 86 and two thirds innings. In those 86 and two thirds, he gave up only 50 hits, 19 runs, 17 which were earned, which were earned. He gave up 10 doubles, no triples, gave up six home runs. The opponent's batting average against Paul Skeens. Point one six one, he has been, I think, a chance to be the greatest season that an LSU pitcher has ever had. Of course, he's got to go a long way in the playoffs. That's what you measure it by, for sure. Paul Skeens last pitched Thursday in Georgia. He was asked for, how do you personally prep for Hoover and the SEC tournament? Yeah, obviously it has to be super dynamic. Um, has to be some adjustability there, as uh, you know, as I'm not totally sure when I'm pitching uh, and and who I'm pitching against. So, 
I think there will be a little bit more uh, energy that I put into scouting some of these teams. Um, but I think the the teams that I would pitch against, I've I've pitched against them before, so I know I know their lineups pretty well, um, right. at least better than a team that I haven't pitched against yet. So um, it'll it, you know I'm, I'm going to have to game plan for myself. I think um, it'd be pretty dynamic with that, but um, just knowing uh, who we're going to or knowing that we don't know exactly who we're going to play is, is kind of tough. But um, I think that's that's part of what makes it fun too. This obviously, thanks to TigerBait.com, was before today's start of the SEC tournament. We know now South Carolina defeated Georgia, so the Tigers will be taking on South Carolina. I don't know if Paul Skeens is going to get the ball from Jay Johnson. He may not. He may. We'll see. Um, of course, the big debate is LSU's bullpen. Paul Skeens pulled no punches about the guys in the bullpen. Man, we got to step it up. Yeah, I think guys like uh, like Thatcher Hurd, Gavin Guidry, uh, Griffin Herring, guys like that, um, who didn't necessarily know what their roles were going to be before the season. Um, they obviously have to play a bigger role now uh, with uh, with some other guys, some other key guys that are out. Um, and they've done a really good job, I think. Um, I, I, I still firmly believe that we have the best staff in the SEC, and, and even without the the three guys that have gotten hurt. Um, and so we just got – we just – have to go out and prove it the next few weeks, um, you know, which is frankly the the weeks that really matter uh, in the season. So um, what, what's happened up to this point doesn't really matter. Um, and we just have to have some guys step up like like we know they can um, over the next few weeks. And, and I think a lot of things are going to go right for the Tigers. That's Paul Skeens. When you have great leadership with the bat, the glove, and the arm, LSU's certainly in a great position. Um, but everybody else has to has to um, toe the line as well. Again, Texas A&M three, Tennessee zip in the bottom of the six still to come this afternoon. Alabama faces Kentucky, and then the nightcap will be Missouri versus Auburn. Tomorrow, 930, LSU versus South Carolina, double elimination bracket. All right, double elimination. So I'll be very curious to see what Jake Johnson does for game number one. We'll talk next to an LSU, an ex-LSU Tiger who pitched in the SEC tournament. What is it like in Hoover? Um, what are the expectations? What does he think about this LSU baseball team? We'll reconnect with a former LSU All-American, Anthony Renato, after this timeout. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Ah, speaking of the Astros, the defending World Series champs are warming up, getting better. Altuve, he's back, and you can see them live in person. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with another Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Cincinnati Reds on Saturday, June 17th, and you can be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette 
1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, we are back. SEC tournament action underway, repeating scores. It was South Carolina taking care of business uh, against Georgia with a nine-zip win in that one. And right now, top of the seventh, kind of a surprise here, Texas A&M three, Tennessee zip. So tomorrow, 9.30, it will be LSU versus South Carolina. Who's going to get the ball from Jake Johnson? I don't have a clue. Maybe a guy who pitched in the SEC tournament can tell us his thoughts. We're thrilled to be joined again by Anthony Renato, the the, the star pitcher for LSU uh, from 2008 through 2010. Big league pitcher, um, and he's kind of enough to join us. Anthony, thank you for the time, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. Anytime I can come on your show in the middle of the day, this is uh... – it's a luxury, so I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me, man. Always. Oh, it's a it's it's a respite from the day to day grind. So, no, you make our audience <laughs> loves you. So we appreciate you making the time for us. What are your recollections of um, LSU in the SEC baseball tournament? I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, so, <laughs> I. I got lucky, man. I don't know. I don't know luck, but we had a nice stretch when I was here. So <laughs> the LSU uh, or the SEC tournament for me when I was here was called the LSU Invitational. We won it three years yeah. in a row when I was here. It was a happy bus trip all three times on the way back home. Um, so I have some great memories from the SEC tournament. It really is one of the best weekends of the year. Um, you know, even if you don't win it, I think it's just a really cool event where all the teams stay in the same hotel. Um, you're attached to a huge mall, and it's just, you know, you get police escorts to the games. It's a, it's a really great experience for the kids. Um, and then, like I said, if you're fortunate enough to win it, I mean, it's a, it's a really great experience. It is great. There's no question about that. Um, and I remember, you know, I played in the SEC basketball tournament, and we are, uh, the team I played on was the only LSU basketball team to ever win an SEC basketball tournament championship. Well, and I think go. it does – yeah, but, but you won three in a row. I mean, my gosh. Um, but it is. I mean, it's kind of a, you know, all your peers are there. You're the only game going on. So everybody is watching you that matters to you. And yep. that, uh, boy, you want to you want to step up and, and, and put your best foot forward. Absolutely. And, and for a lot of these guys, too, right, um, at the SEC tournament especially, a lot of scouts and, and front office personnel know that this is you know, high t- competition. They're going to see a lot of great players in one spot. So for a lot of these guys, too, there's a lot of pressure you know, for the draft and, and things like that to perform. Uh, there was countless stories about guys who made an impression at the SEC tournament and then you know, getting high, drafted higher or worse or things like that. So not only you know, the postseason things you know, at, at stake for your team and your university, but personally there's probably a lot of things for guys you know, coming up for the draft and opportunities and things like that. So uh, the energy around the tournament is really just such a great time. And then I think they've made some changes where there's you know, two extra teams in there from even when I was playing too for our tournament. Mm-hmm. So um, almost everybody makes it, and yeah, it almost gives everybody a fair chance at, at getting to uh, the postseason. It's fun. I'd be remiss if I didn't wish uh, Stanley Skip Bertman a happy 85th <laughs> birthday today. How about that? Wow, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, happy birthday yeah. to the legend, to the man. The legendary. I, I tried to get your coach on uh, Paul Maneri today before you, but the poor guy's on the golf course, and he couldn't join us. <laughs> well, well, and I always wonder this. Um because in the scenario when when I was playing, we knew we were going to the S, uh, the NCAA tournament, 
we, we already had that locked up. Uh, so LSU baseball knows that no matter what happens in this tournament, they're going to host a regional. And it most, I, I would be stunned if after that, if they win that regional, they would be the host of a super regional. So I'm wondering what the approach is from a coaching perspective that this is that this presents to LSU. The coach is always going to say, "Look, we want to win every game." Blah 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 blah. I understand all that. <laughs> right, but right. I just wonder, does that really, really matter? I I think it does, and and you know, I think the win, the the series win against Georgia helped. Um, but going into it, I was a little nervous about LSU solidifying a guaranteed national seed. And I say it because, you know, without winning the outright SEC, you know, there's a couple teams that are ahead of them in the SEC. And if you look at the standings RPI-wise, there, there are a ton of SEC teams in that top ten. So I don't think they're going to get, you know, five or six national seeds out of the SEC. So I do think LSU needs to win a game in this tournament. I think they'll still – you know, get a national seed, and I'm sure Jay Johnson and his staff have better understanding than I do. But I think you got to win a game in this tournament just to solidify, just to guarantee that everything is good. Um, and in that case, how do you not go with Paul Skeens? You know, for for the first game, and um, and then you know let it go after that. Now I know it. You know where you end up in the regional and the super regional, and what games you play will will determine how much rest he gets and things like that. So. All of that plays a factor into it, but I think you got to win a game no matter what, and and you really do got to play each game to win, and you can't take anything for granted in my in my opinion. That was my that was going to be my next question. Skeens pitched last Thursday uh, in the win at Georgia. This would come off. This would kind of change his pattern a little bit. Instead of a week's rest between starts, it would be a six day rest, right? So does right. that does that play anything at all into this? I think it does, 100%. I, I, I think, and again, you know, this is this is very speculative. You and I can have conversations and have educated guesses on stuff, but Jay Johnson and his staff and, and Wes Johnson know their pitchers and their players the best. And from my experience when I was playing, there were certain guys that actually pitched better and enjoyed pitching on short days rest. Some guys like that extra day's rest. I was actually a short day rest preference. I would, I would say, you know what, I don't like an extra day rest. Um, because that extra day throws in, um, you know, a wrinkle into my plans. I would have to maybe throw an extra bullpen. I would want to get off the mound again. So it really is up to, to each player and, and what they prefer and, and how they're feeling at the end of the year, you know, managing that inning count, where they think they're going in the future, where they think they're playing in the regional, who they're playing, and, and all of that I think plays a factor. But I don't think it's that big of a deal at this point. Skeens is a pretty professional guy. I think he's, you know, takes his job pretty serious, and, he, and he's going to be prepared whether it's five, six, or seven days rest. So um, I think he'll be refined, and I think he'll even be fine to bounce back, um, you know, next weekend, whether that's Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, whatever game you play in the regional. I love it. I love it. Anthony Rado, kind enough to join us. I've never asked you this, but I was curious. You're, you're one of those rare opportunities where you played in the old Alec Box Stadium, and then you played in the new Alec Box Stadium. How, how, how different was that? Man, it was night and day different. And, and it's funny because when I came on my visit to LSU, Skip and Coach Maneri, you know, were selling me on the new stadium and, and all the renovations that were going to come and how beautiful it was right. going to be, the mecca of college baseball, which 100% it was at the time. And I'm, I still think it stands as, you know, in that discussion. Um, 
But there was some magic about that old box, man. I, I know you've been to games there, and there's something Loved about, it. I'm sure you can relate, playing in you know a smaller arena, maybe like a Duke or something that has you know 3,000 people, and yeah. they're on top of you, and it feels like there's 50,000, but there's you know only a handful. And that's what I think the biggest difference was, was the old box held 7,500, 8,000 people, but it felt like there was 20,000 people because they were on top of you. It was loud. Yeah. It was a little smaller stadium. It held it in there. Um, and, and not that the box, the, the new box didn't have that, you know, it does, but it just was a little bit more spread out. So, Different. um, yeah. there was just something about playing at that old box that just, you know, excited you and, and created a great energy. I thought the old box was one intimidating son of a gun, man. I'm telling you, um, just for all the reasons that you mentioned, nothing against the new stadium. Cause it's beautiful. It's plush LSU deserves it. They've earned it. Uh, with all the championships, but man, if I had to pick my brothers and I, and, and I was uh, pitching for all the marbles, man, give me the old box, please. 100%. Give me the old box all day. That stadium was bumping, man. It was crazy. I remember. So I got, again, I was fortunate enough to be on the team. My freshman year, we went on that 23 game winning streak or something like that. And we closed out the old box going to Omaha when I tell you that last game, there was no chance we were going to lose that game. It was a one-on-one yeah, yeah. you know, game to go to Omaha. There was 10,000 people there, and every one of them was into the game, even when we were up 21-3 to at the end of the game. So, um, I mean, it, the fans were just different there. It really just did hit different. So, uh, nothing again, again, nothing against the new box. We love it. It's, it's the Mecca, but there was just something different about that old box. I mean, that national championship year, there aren't many teams that uh, won as many games as y'all did. Uh, y'all were 56 and 17, and you won um, across the board. You played 30 SEC games. You won two out of three. Uh, I'm sure you swept some series, but overall, you were 20 and 10. What's it like to be that dominant? There's only two teams in LSU baseball history with more wins. And that was um, two teams that won Skip Burtman in 97, won 57 games and Palmineri in 13, won 57 games. You're right there. 2009 yeah. with 56. It's like you knew you were going to win. Uh, Jordy, I, it's crazy. I really do believe that we did feel like we knew we were going to win. I was talking to Chris McGee about this the other day. We went and got some dinner and we were just talking about it, but it was, it was something so special just about even when we were down and, um, even when we went to, when we made it to Omaha, it was, we were talking about this year's team, right? Like, and I think we're fine in a regional. We match up well in a three game series, depending on who the pitcher is. I feel a little nervous about that, you know, this year's team, but that's what we were talking about too. Even when we were playing, there was these expectations to get to Omaha. But once we got to Omaha, I don't think we were ever more confident than anything in the world because it was like, cool, this is where we were supposed to be. Let's handle business. And let's do it, you know, and, and we were number one throughout the year. We won, you know, two out of three every weekend. And that was our goal always was you win 20 games in the SEC. You're probably going to be in the discussion to win the overall championship and have a national seed that would set you up to compete for a national championship. And we knew we had all the pieces. We knew we had the right coaching staff and the right situation and the experience. Um, and, and Jared Mitchell sent me our, uh, our team stats the other day. And I mean, we had some ballers on that team. We did some special things and, uh, it really was a great yeah. group of guys. I'm so fortunate that I was a part of it. And, uh, and hopefully this year's team gets back there and, and does the same thing. Well, the key to that team, I'll say it now, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face is, uh, really good pitching and a lot of really good pitching and everybody kind of, uh, you know, knew their role and did what they had to do. And it was consistent across the board. And that's the one thing 
that this current team has yet to discover. Um, you know what you get with Skeens. Is Skeens going to pass McDonald with the with the all-time <laughs> single season uh, strikeout record? I think he's 30, I don't know, 30-something behind him. He's got to get yeah. at least four starts, right, to I uh, think, be able to I do that? I think he passes him. I think he passes him. I think as long as they're – yeah, he's going to get – he's got – SEC start. He's got the regional start. Hopefully, they win the regional. He's got the the super regional. That's three right there, and I mean that's thirty right there. So I think you know he's definitely in the mix. He's gonna be he's gonna be there. And if he gets you know an extra one or two, I think there's no doubt that he passes it. And I mean I, I just think he's just so dominant. I it would only be fitting. I think he needs to have that record. I really do believe it. When you were there for that 2009 season, and you're in the playoffs, and it's the first game in the regional. What approach did Paul take? He said, no, and I'm not picturing you against this fourth seed. We're going to save mm-hmm. you for game two in the winner's bracket, right? Yep. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. It was a little nerve-wracking nerve for the first six innings. I don't know if, if you guys look back at the numbers, but we were playing uh, number four Southern, and Southern beat us earlier in the year, I think, that year. Um, with a guy named Chase Richard, I'm still friends with him. I know him in town, and uh-huh. uh, great, great dude. But he he carved us up for the first six or seven innings, and I think Jump we were ball, it was right? like one Jump to one ball. or two. To, it was it was a close game. We wound up you know blowing him out or beating them pretty handedly. But we started Austin Ross, and he was our number three pitcher. He kept us in the game, did everything that you know we asked him to do. We just thought we were going to score some more runs and we were going to be beating them pretty handily, but um, luckily the offense came around at the end of the game and we won that one. And then, yeah, I was, I was fortunate enough as, you know, the Friday guy to be able to pitch against rice. Uh, Oh no, against, um, I pitched against Baylor in our regional and that was, that was a really, that was a nail biter. We wound up winning two to one, I think in extra innings. Um, They had a bunch of big leaguers on their team. So it was just a great battle. I think I had a career game. I, I struck out a bunch of guys and, got to pitch nine innings. So, I mean, it worked out well, but Paul went with, you know, pitching the number three pitcher, then going with the number one on, on the right. the game, the second game, and then came back and then you have Lewis Coleman pitching out against Minnesota, which was, I mean, that was like probably as a breeze that it could have been, but yeah, it, it worked out really well for us in our regional. All right. So you look at this LSU baseball team, they did win uh two out of three against Georgia. Maybe not as easy as you, as you thought, um, but they still did it. Um, if you could talk to them, what, what would you tell them heading into this tournament tomorrow morning? I would really say have some fun and just go compete. Pitchers, just throw the ball over the plate. Give us a chance. Make You know what I'm saying? I, I think the most frustrating things from a fan's perspective or you know a former player's perspective is we have all the talent. We got guys throwing 95 miles an hour. Just throw strikes. Like Give us a chance. Let them put the ball in play. It's really hard to hit a baseball. So, But when you're walking guys and putting guys on base you know, without competitive at-bats, um, you're giving other people a chance to, to play with us when they don't even think they belong on the same field. So I would say pitchers, go be aggressive. Just try to let your defense work for you and, and get us up to bat as many times as possible because we have one of the best offenses in the league. So um, just go out and have some fun and make some memories. That's what I would say probably. So if you're managing, you give the ball to Skeens game one, right? Yeah, I take it. I, I say let's go win a game. And then Ty Floyd has been pitching pretty well. I like our chances in yeah. game two with that, you know, so – and we take two games in the SEC tournament. That's a win for us. We're hosting a national. We're, we're a national seed, and we're going back to the box for a regional and super regional with a couple, you know, good wins underneath our belt. So that's 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 my strategy and my vote. But again, Jay Johnson gets paid a lot more money. Is probably a lot smarter uh, baseball <laughs> right. mind than I am. <laughs> Anthony Renato, back to back to back SEC tournament championships. That's uh, that is remarkable, man. What what a career that. 
you guys owned Hoover. It was um, LSU. What did y'all call it? LSU North? It was the LSU Invitational every year. That was it. We knew we were going there. We were the, the tournament champs, baby. It was our tournament to and, lose. And, <laughs> and still to this day, I mean, does any team – come close maybe maybe alabama auburn to the fan support i mean lsu fans travel in mass to hoover oh dude that's i should have I, I didn't even talk about that but that to me was honestly one of the most favorite parts too was it felt like a home game for us six hours away we we we, we had yeah. the go tigers going going crazy we would go down to the lobby our lobby was packed you go to every restaurant it was all purple and gold around the area so um, and I think, you know, just I think there's a lot of fans in that area, too, that don't get to come to a lot of LSU games that, you know, whether they're alumni or anything along those lines or just live in that area. Um, we, had, we had a great support system. So I, th- I think it's like LSU is like a home game there. It really is. Did you ever give autographs to the K lady? <laughs> I think I, was, I think I'm sure I've signed a few things for her. Um, we have a good relationship. I enjoy that. I think that's such a staple with LSU baseball. Uh, <laughs> She's the best. Hey, lady, Chris Guillot. And the Birdman, yep. right? And who? The Birdman. He's always up there whistling. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we got yeah. some staples. We got, we got, we got. Uh, the LSU fans are are well known and and well traveled. So I think Chris Giat's got to be one of the all time greatest fans fans of all God. time. Though just legendary, legendary in the stadium. I don't know how he screams as much as he does as often as he does. I have no clue how he does it. Uh, it's, I don't know how he doesn't have heart problems or, you know, like blood I, I don't know, but it's, it's got to have some sort of effect on him. <laughs> yeah. He does the goal. Who's the lady that does the Tigers with the th- sign? Who is she? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We got to learn yeah, some names and you maybe get them on the show very, too. Uh, obscure. <laughs> I think she likes it that way, but she's an integral part as well. Um, yep. All right, uh, we will see what happens. It gets underway tomorrow at 9.30. Nothing like a little br- brunch and baseball. I like it. So uh, Cards <laughs> exactly. and Culture, Good open up early, put tomorrow. the games like on. It. Yeah, open up Cards and Culture, put the game on, and sell some merchandise. Oh, I'm going to. I'm going to be open and wait to – hopefully if we get a bigger spot in the Perkins Row, we'll be having watch parties all the time like that. So that's ooh, definitely up my ooh, alley. Is that, are you trying to tell me something there? Oh, uh, maybe, maybe I'm leaking a little bit of information, but nothing solidified yet. But we're, there's okay. definitely some talks and murmurs. So, you know, Boy, you, we're exploring some you ideas. Big timer, you big yeah. timer, Anthony Renato, <laughs> man. Always fun talking with you, buddy. Take care, enjoy oh. the tournament. All right, thanks, Jordy. Thanks for having me on, man. You're the best, Anthony Renato. Back to back to back, SEC tournament championships. LSU will try and see how far they can go starting tomorrow. Back to wrap up our number one. After this, this is the Jordy Holberg show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And ShopRite, Tobacco Plus discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device. It helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette, in Baton Rouge, and in Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win till you start playing. So my advice, start playing responsibly. D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli, home of the best cheeseburger ever, I-10 at the Henderson Cecilia Exit. Uh, By Cajun Chef, do yourself a flavor. Seriously, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef Hot Sauce. 
Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Top of the ninth, SEC Baseball Tournament, Texas A&M 3, Tennessee Zip. Three more outs in Tennessee. Mm, out of the ballpark. So um, uh, quite a development there. LSU tomorrow at 9.30. McNeese tonight at 6 p.m. We'll try and keep their um, Southland Conference Tournament hopes alive as they play Texas A&M Corpus Christie, yes, indeed. All right, coming up, hour number two. Uh, boy, Denver did it to the Lakers. Can the Heat do it to the Celtics tonight? I don't know if it's ever happened before. Eastern Conference sweep in the finals and Western Conference sweep in the finals. Might be the first ever. I'll have to look it up. Chris Dotson will join us. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us as well as we talk about the beginning of OTAs for the New Orleans Saints. It's all coming your way. Our number two, the Jordy Helper Show here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Stick around. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two and away we go on this Tuesday, May 23rd, the year 2023. My main man, James Mesh, in the producer's chair in the EPCO Development Studios. EPCO Development, a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. It's on the campus of Delta Media, where you'll find KLWB, 1037 Lafayette. We're on KLCJ, 1041 in Lake Charles, streaming around the world. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you can turn your television set on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Texas A&M 3, Tennessee Zip, top of the ninth, rain delay. Huh, rain delay. That's the last thing Texas A&M wanted. They had a picture going that was hot. Depending on how long this rain delay lasts, um, anything crazy crazy could happen earlier in the day georgia fell to south carolina nine to zip so the gamecocks survive in advance and they will take on the lsu tigers tomorrow at 9 30 a.m you listen to the game right here on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles all right last night the denver nuggets did it they took care of business Beat the L.A. Lakers in the most contested game of the Western Conference Finals, winning by two, 113 to 111. Let's bring in our good friend Chris Dotson to talk about the NBA, baseball, everything and anything that's out there. Chris, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. I was doing great until you just mentioned it. This rain delay kind of killed the, the, the TV watching for the afternoon. But other than that, doing wonderful. Thanks for having me on. 
Oh, absolutely. That means those games and uh, later on are going to be just, oh, it's going to take forever. That, that's, that's baseball. You don't have to worry about that with basketball because it's indoor. What did you think of, um, look, LeBron James uh, came up with just another exemplary performance, 40 points, 10 rebounds, nine assists in 48 minutes. He, he never came out of the game. He played the entirety of it. Were you surprised that uh, afterwards he he hinted at the possibility of retirement? No, I wasn't surprised. Just that hey, you're 20 years in. Everybody wants to retire after 20 years, no matter what kind of work you've been putting in. But it's also LeBron is known for uh, negotiating in public. He's just kind of letting it know, hey, I've got all my options. He can even sit out a year and come back when Bronny's, you know, uh, entering the draft. He's going to tell everyone about every option. Because that's just how LeBron's always negotiated. That's a good point. Um, very good point. Um, the Denver Nuggets. I don't know who's going to beat them. I mean, that's 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 a juggernaut right now. Right, and we talked about this a few weeks ago. It's hard to bet against Jimmy Butler. He can't keep doing this. I think Denver's going to take the finals just because. Look, Miami. They're they're going to need Tyler Hero. He's he just got ruled out today that he's not going to be able to even play in the finals. And that's a shooting threat that you really need, especially considering that, that Miami, I'm assuming they're, they're going to take care of the Celtics, are going to be undersized going against Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown, even down to Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Jeff Green, Christian Brown. They just have more size. And that's before you even mention the big man that everybody knows about in Jokic. I'm with you. Um, Chris Dotson with us. Do you um... – Looked like Miami took the heart and soul away from Boston in game three in Miami. Now they get to come there. They're at home again for game four. Um, there seems to be a little turmoil with the Celtics. There seems to be a disconnect in the locker room. And that's something that the coaches said. Some of the players, Malcolm Brogdon has said it. Do you see any chance of Boston winning this game tonight? I give them a little chance because anytime you get, I mean, I, I don't even know how else to say it, just downright demoralized and punked the way they did and just kind of slapped around for that fourth quarter where they gave up and just yanked the starters. Now they have a chance to come back and at least set a different tone going into the offseason. I think they're going to you know, put a little respect on their name. They're going to try and come back and get a few punches in, and if they get a win and get back to Boston, then game five you at least have to be in front of that home crowd. You're again playing with pride. I don't think the Celtics make it four wins in a row, but they've got something to play for just in the pride and how people talk about them and how they feel about themselves as players going into free agency, restricted free agency. They've got a lot to play for tonight just to correct the narrative on their name, so to speak. Yeah, it would be a terrible offseason if they got swept. I don't know if it's ever happened before where Eastern Conference Finals, Western Conference Finals, two of the – Premier franchises in the history of the NBA both get swept at the same time in the same season. I, I don't know if that's ever happened before, but it's certainly a distinct possibility uh, tonight. When you look at all these teams that are out there and you say, my gosh, a healthy Pelicans team, what do you think? I mean, the healthy Pelicans team was in first place. Even a, a Pelicans team without B.I., was right there with these Nuggets in first place in December. That's why I kind of trust David Griffin when he said in exit interviews that it would be tweaks, not major changes. This this team is young enough to be ready. They're on the cusp of being ready. Look at Boston, you know, Jalen, the, the, the two Jays, 24, 25, 26. 
That's just now where B.I. is at. Zion's still two, three years away from hitting that. D.J., of course, is on the older end, but you need that veteran presence. And and this team's right there. I mean, if they could, it's it's tough to say it over and over again, but if they could just stay healthy and show what they can do, B.I. and Zion's a great fit, in my opinion. You got Trey and Herb. Bring in somebody, you know, that can help a little bit more on the paint with that 14th pick, maybe package JV and some other things. Just tweak it like David Griffin was saying. I take him at face value with that because, yes, I I believe this is a first-place kind of team as is. I don't know if you can do it with Valanciunas. I I just see bigs. I see Bam Adebayo. I see Nikola Jokic. I just see these bigs that are mobile, um, agile. They can defend out out on the court and do some things. They're great passers, dribblers of the basketball. I just don't see it. I think I think the Pels have to make a decision there. I like him as a player, but I don't like him playing big, big minutes. I like him coming in here, getting some rebounds here and there, setting screens. But I don't think you can have him in your lineup consistently in today's game and be a title contender. Agree or disagree? I'm starting to agree with you more. I know we talked about it at the middle of the season, how Jonas was getting used, and I thought he was not quite probably being out there with the right lineups. But I'm coming around like it, there's a role for him, but it's going to be a little pricey. If he does not get moved this offseason, I can definitely see a trade deadline swing considering his contract and what's going to be out there as far as expirings. I just don't want to see this team go on and move on from Giannis and wind up with Christian Wood again or something like that. Something yeah, where you, yeah, you're agree. definitely getting worse at the position. I agree 1,000% on that. Chris Dotson with us. Um, You mentioned SEC tournament. Uh, When you think of LSU heading into this this, uh, SEC baseball tournament, they're going to be a national seed. Uh, They're probably going to be in the top five, um, which means if they win that, they would host a super regional. Um, You want to win every game, but but do you? I mean, do you want to rest up? What, what, What is LSU's approach here, you think? I think they want to win the first two games. One, that, that gets you to Friday, and if you win the first two games here, you get Friday off no matter what. I don't think this team wants to extend their pitching that much. Like you said, they're, they're ranked high enough to get the Super Regional. So win one game to just ensure that's going to happen. Past that, mm-hmm. I'm really worried about the pitching. I think LSU fans are going to look back at the lost opportunity this season represents if these Tigers fall short in a Super Regional because Dylan Cruz, Paul Skeens, Tommy White, Jared Jones. This is a championship core. I mean, Cruz is the NCAA version of Mike Trout. Skeens just has – just hope his arm doesn't fall off before Omaha and you have a chance. This team, don't don't extend the the other the question marks, that the rest of those pitchers, that it's just going to be scattershot on who's actually got a grip on the ball that day, who can get them over the plate and get some ground balls, some outs. They don't have to go out there and overpower them. But I think they've just been so inconsistent. This this Tigers team is is it's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everybody has injuries, and that's certainly affected this ball club. But it seems like sometimes um, with Skeens, he gets all the all the support he gets, uh, and everybody else sometimes uh, Ty Florida pitch great. He just won't get the run support. Sometimes those bats get a little bit quiet, but. LSU certainly has the capabilities of winning games 10 to 9, 10 to 8, 11 to 11 to to 7, things like that. I think their offense has to carry them. I really do. 
Right, it's the offense beyond Cruz, who, I mean, you know, 423 batting average, what, 14, 15 home runs, the doubles, 60 RBIs. The, he leads the league in what on-base percentage, run scores, walks, and that's going to be a big one. I think teams are going to start pitching around him a lot more but and make the rest of the Tigers beat you. And if they can get into that bullpen and pitch around Cruz, you're going to limit it to where this Tigers team won't get eight, nine, ten runs, and then it's just a matter of putting up, putting up one crooked number and now you've yeah. got a lead, and the Tigers have to play from behind and press, and that's really going to push them even more. Now I'm with you. Uh, very well put. Chris Dotson with us. Good news on the LSU football front. All-American defensive tackle Mason Smith announced on social media that he's been fully cleared to return to action. Of course, he, he got hurt on September, uh, way back on September the 4th in the season opener, underwent surgery September 21st, now he's a full go. That LSU Florida State game to open up the season. That that could be two top five ranked teams, certainly two top ten ranked teams for a season opener. Man, that's 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 going to be a dictating force for the rest of the year, I believe. Whoever comes out of that one, right? And I almost hope it's not a top five kind of matchup and puts too much pressure on them. I would rather see LSU go ahead and gain that respect from 10, move up a little bit, because we've all seen teams get too hyped on themselves. And I know we've got Jaden Daniels and some transfers coming in and players coming back from injury, but these are still college kids, you know what I mean? So let them just go in there and play the game. If they start hyping it up as a top five and you've got all these championship aspirations, this isn't quite to me. I, I, I You know me, I'm more basketball and other LSU's yeah. third or fourth down my line. But they don't, it doesn't give me that same feel as the championship teams. I think this team still has some growing up to do in ways, and I would rather them not get you know, everybody hyped up behind them too much. And that's just maybe even looking out for them in a way so that we can get that kind of season. But it'll definitely be a top-10 matchup. It's two days after my birthday. I'm hoping to uh, have tickets to sit in the stands and not work the game. But uh, either way, it's going to be one great environment out in Orlando for that, yes, you know, just two indeed. classic tradition blue buds. Anytime you put that together, it's a great college atmosphere. I am with you. You know, um, you, you mentioned basketball is your number one deal. Um, I look at I look at the Miami Heat. I look at Denver. I look at uh, the Lakers. I mean, they've got who knew who Reeves was before before these playoffs started. Who knew some of these other players for for the Miami Heat? Uh, they're players out there, but you got to. Get them. You got to coach them up. You got to develop them. You got to let them play. I just, you know, it's it's either now or never for me with these Pelicans. I mean, it's if they continue to get injuries and and only play thirty games or twenty five games. I mean, it's time to cut bait and start over again. I just can't see them continuing to go. They've got to get some good fortune on their side eventually. Right, this is a make-or-break season, I think, for not only Brandon Ingram because of his contract and what's going to be coming up for him as far as a payday. It's also yeah. there for David Griffin and the rest of the front office. They only have so much goodwill and political capital built up. And next season, they've really just got to be healthy. they got to find a way to get on the court. they got to do some, get find a way to put wins up, get into the playoffs. But you mentioned the, the culture for Miami and some of these other players. Uh, you know, they're, they're constantly contending. That's where I don't want to give up on like a Herb Jones, a Trey, and make a big splash for Kevin Durant. I'm glad we passed up on Kevin Durant. Yeah, We've seen even after he went to Phoenix, he kind of broke down and only played half the games. Yeah. I, I yep. want to keep yep. 
those guys like Jose Alvarado that build the culture and you invest in them and they invest yes. back in you and the stars see that. I'm with you. You know what I notice about all these teams still playing? Man, they can shoot that three ball. And that's something the Pels have got to get better. They got to get better shooters, whether whether it's the players they've got, they've got to work harder and continue to shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot till it till till they start making them, or they got to go find some people because these teams they can flat out shoot the basketball, and that's the key. I don't I don't want to I never want to hear about defense ever again. Ever. Boston's supposed to be the best defensive team out there. Lakers supposed to be the best defensive team out there. They can't stop the good offense. Can't do it. So give me scores, Chris Dotson. Give me scores. Yeah, and they they've got a few options in the draft. I'm really starting to hear some things about Buddy Hield moving on out of Indiana. Everybody talks about Miles Turner from there. I don't think Turner's the greatest fit for us, considering what he would cost. Buddy Hield, I'm willing to overpay for just a little bit to bring him back to New Orleans. Then you get to like a Taylor Hendricks or Casey Wallace out of college. If we can find them at. 14 or maybe trade up to 10 at Dallas and swap around some parts, you know, for depth. That's where I'm at. You need some more shooters. And it's not just about getting up threes. I think in the playoffs, the team that shot the most threes didn't always win more than half the time. But if you made them, you got to make them. You got to have those shooters. You got to have the space. And this team, the Pelicans with Zion will always be great in the paint. So we've got to find somebody besides Trey Murphy to to get out there and really give us some space. You're you're totally right on that. No question about it. Chris, I can't thank you enough, man. Well done, as always. Um, we'll talk to you again soon, man. Enjoy enjoy the SEC tournament uh, and enjoy the uh, – I, I think Miami closes it out tonight. I really do, but I've been wrong before. We shall see. Thank you, Chris. Hey, thanks so much. All right, buddy. Chris Dotson, kind enough to join us. Take a quick time out here. Black and Gold Report, Saints News Network. Who didn't show up for the first OTA? We'll find out next. This is the Jordy Holdberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game has a brand new app. It's now your one-stop shop for all things the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana sports station. Download the free mobile app today from your Apple or Android device. Just search the game Southwest Louisiana. No matter where you are, you can listen to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Always a fun time when we can talk to Bob Rose uh, about the New Orleans Saints, and he's joining us yet again each and every Tuesday. He covers the Saints as a senior writer for the Saints um, at the Saints News, part of the the host for the Bayou Blitz podcast. Robert, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon to you, Jory. I hope everything is well. Everything is well, except I can't get you on Zoom anymore. I don't know what happened, but we're thrilled to have you on the phone. Um, Life is good. Life is good. Uh, OTAs began today. Tell me what you've heard so far. Who who didn't show up? 
Uh, I tell you what, there's not too many people that didn't show up for the uh, for the New Orleans Saints, and the majority of the ones that didn't are veterans that are just dealing with minor injuries and things like that. Uh, yeah. yeah, Michael Thomas comes to mind. A couple of the offensive linemen. Uh, yeah, Demario Davis hasn't you know, wasn't there for personal reasons, uh, but were excused, was excused by the team, from my understanding. Uh, but I, all in all, I believe there were only ten or eleven players uh, on the New Orleans Saints roster that uh, that were not there for the first day of OTAs, and that's a very very encouraging sign. That tells you that your veterans are buying into your program, uh, especially with so many off-season additions, not only on the uh, you know, on the field among the players, but with the coaches too. And that tells me that these players are anxious to get to work with the new coaches, uh, you know, especially when you consider that the Saints have almost an entirely new defensive staff uh, to go along with Dennis Allen, their defensive-minded head coach. It's just real encouraging to see the you know, to see the players, so many of them, back on the field on uh, on the first day of what's considered quote unquote optional activities right right this is the first of three sets of uh voluntary practices in which you can't have contact um Mm -hmm. you can have seven on seven nine on seven eleven on eleven drills without contact now the mandatory mini camp for veteran players will be june 13th through the 15th so Mm -hmm. um that that's when it uh, uh, comes into play you mentioned something i think that gets overlooked um New coaches, five new coaches on this staff, and uh, they've got to implement themselves. They've got to get used to the players. The players have to get used to them, and um, and that's important. That's critical. Yeah, it absolutely is. Uh, you know, and now you'd think, since the majority of those coaching stat- uh, changes are on the defensive side, that not much would change with New Orleans schematically, since Dennis Allen is still the de facto man in charge of that unit. Uh, you know, but still, it's going to be terminology, uh, what these coaches like to do in certain situations, uh, what they expect from their players. I mean, you know, every coach's expectations are slightly different. Every coach's approach to the game game you know to the sport no matter what it is whether it's football or whatever uh every coach's approach is different and the play it's important that the players get on the same page with that uh, you know we we heard some mumblings last year from tyron matthew marcus may in particular that there was maybe a little bit of disconnect and miscommunication uh you know with the defenders uh you know and <clears throat> Uh, excuse me, and the and the coaches, whether it be Dennis Allen, uh, you know, or the co-defensive coordinators at the time, Chris Richard and Ryan Nielsen, uh, you know. So whatever issues there are going to be, you certainly want to get them out of out of the way and dealt with before the game, before the games and the snaps actually count. I'm with you. Got a new defensive coordinator in Joe Woods. You got a new defensive line coach in Todd Grantham. You got a new secondary coach in Marcus. Robertson. So a lot of emphasis on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and that's Dennis Allen's forte. He's taking more of a of a head coaching role. And is he gonna is he gonna turn the defense over to Joe Woods? 
You know, I really don't know, Jordy, and it's uh, it's obviously way too early to tell, but I think that that's going to be one of the things to watch closest with these New Orleans Saints throughout the you know these OTAs, mini camp, and especially into training camp. Everybody wants to talk about you know, uh, you know the new quarterback, uh, you know, and how the new personnel is going to fit in. And all those things are going to be vitally important. But the fact last year that Dennis Allen never really relinquished control of the defense, and you know that led to some in my opinion, uh, you know, some miscommunication and disconnect during game situations, not only with the defense, but all in all, you know, it, it just overall, the way the Saints were run, it just didn't seem like it was humming along at an extremely organized level like we got so used to with Sean Payton and his regime. Uh, and I, I have a feeling that Dennis Allen would be willing to relinquish a little bit of control because remember Joe Woods is a guy that he's worked with uh you know, uh, you know for several years earlier in his career and you know Grantham and the other defensive assistants that were brought in they all worked with Dennis Allen uh you know uh, previously in their career too so there the fact that there's you know such familiarity uh you know leads me to believe that maybe Dennis is going to be willing to take a back seat to the uh, to the play calling on game days and take a more overall head coaching uh head coaching approach to the way he runs his businesses with a new quarterback, um, but you've got some uh, emphasis placed in the draft on the offensive side. Um, new tight end coming in. You got uh, some new a new wide receiver, new running back, new quarterback. What's going to be the better position group, in your opinion? Is this still going to be a defensive first club, or do you think the offense is, is catching up and might surpass them? I think it's going to be a defensive first club uh, because, it, yeah, again, we go back to you know who, who's in charge of it all. Uh, you know, it's going yeah. to be Dennis Allen. Uh, you know, the the defense, the the overall personnel, in my opinion, is still a little bit more talented, certainly more experienced on the defensive side of the ball than it is the offense. But that's going to be a challenge for this offensive group. Uh, you know, it, uh, especially with the Alvin Kamara's, Ryan Ramchek's, Michael Thomas's, the guys who were on this club when it was offensively dominated, they have a lot of pride and they're going to want to get back to that. Uh, and, you know, like you said, they brought in so many young legs uh, you know, in the receiving core and the running back position. And now you have yourself a new quarterback. Uh, you know, and this offense has taken a lot of heat through the media and through the fan base for the last two or three years, really. Uh, you know, so there's going to be pride at stake. I expect there to be a lot of fiery battles, uh, you know, throughout these mini camp and OTA practices, and especially once we get into training camp and there's some light hitting that we're going to see. Uh, but, you know, early on, I, I definitely expect this to be uh, still a defensive-oriented club, but this offense is going to be uh, – you know, it, it, uh, very fired up uh, to try to take on its own role and its own responsibilities. Well, all right, let's let, we'll, we'll let's take a quick time out here. When we come back, I want to get into some of these positions and uh, you know OTAs. Now you, you had the rookie mini camp. Now all of a sudden, these rookies are going to be mixed in with with veterans that have been through the wars and understand the NFL. Uh, and we'll see how they all react to that. I, I want um, Bob Rose's thoughts first on the guys that aren't there and the people that are taking their place, particularly 
on the very important position of the defensive line. We'll talk about that and much, much more as we continue talking about the New Orleans Saints on the Black and Gold Report with the Saints News Network's Bob Rose. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, you tired of your boring man cave? Well, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles really does want to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Bordelon's Furniture, a flat-screen TV from ABI, and more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover. Powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. 36 minutes after the hour, thrilled to continue the black and gold report with the Saints News Network's Bob Rose. His staff is out there. I think the media is allowed one day per uh, OTA session to go out and look and report on it. Um, I- I'm curious about the defensive line. That's, you know, that that is the area that, Man, they lost a bunch of people. Marcus Davenport, now with Minnesota. Bob, uh, Shai Tuttle with Carolina. David Anyamata with Atlanta. The Saints signed defensive tackles Kalen Saunders and Nathan Shepard through free agency. They drafted Brian Brissy out of Clemson and Isaiah Foskey uh, out of Notre Dame. You still have Cam Jordan. You still have Tano now. You've got Carl Granderson. You've got Peyton Turner. You've got Malcolm Roach. Not all those guys are going to stick around. And by the way, you got a new coach in Todd Grantham. That defensive uh-huh. line, it seems to me to be a very significant point of emphasis for this club. How do you see this thing playing out? Yeah, I definitely see it as a point of emphasis for this group. Uh and the fact that it has so many faces, like you said, and you know, we could see, depending on what happens at the other end position, we could see three out of four new starters. I mean, thank God Cam yeah. isn't going anywhere. Uh, we're seeing a lot of youth uh, at this position, and that's what has me excited the most, uh, you know, youth and athleticism. Uh, and it is going to be a position to watch very, very closely as we get through these OTAs, mini camp, and then of course training camp. Obviously, everybody has to stay healthy. Uh, yeah, but is a is a guy like Peyton Turner, uh, you know, a number one draft choice just a, a couple short years ago? Uh, yeah, is he falling by the wayside? Uh, you know, could the Saints move on from him if you know, if one of these other guys, one of their undrafted guys or XFL signees, uh, you know, if they step up and outplay him? I mean, you know, Foskey's going to get snaps. Same with Percy. Uh That's why they spent high draft choices on them. Uh, you know, you spent money at the defensive tackle position on Saunders and Shepard. Uh, you know, so they're going to get you know, starters type of reps. Uh, you know, Granderson. I mean, heck, uh, Carl outplayed uh, Marcus Davenport and Peyton Turner last year. Yes, he- 
did. Uh, you know, to get the bulk of the snaps at defensive end. So I don't foresee him or passing you going anywhere. So the guy I'm watching is Peyton Turner. If if you're going to highlight a bubble player at each position, Peyton Turner has got to be that bubble player. Uh, you know, at defensive end for the Saints, uh, and then Malcolm Roach. Where is his going to fit? Going to be on the uh, interior rotation? Right. Uh, you know, is he going to have the athleticism and you know show the type of pass rush to earn the reps against Shepard, Brissy, and Saunders? Uh, you know, that that's going to be the challenge for Malcolm Roach in, uh, on the inside. I'm with you, Bob. Um, another position interesting to me is linebacker, and um, mm-hmm. I read your story on bubble players for veterans and Zach Bond's one of those that 2020 draft was a very very disappointing one he was the first of two third round picks in that draft um that linebacker position Saints are looking for help along the line they've got they've got two starters uh but after that I I mean the 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 pressure's got to be on Zach Bond to either step up and deliver or hit the road yeah, 100% the pressure's on him. Uh, and, uh, you know, the fact that they lost Caden Ellis, uh, you know, and I, yeah, I realize that, you know, that Dennis Allen likes to run, you, uh, usually just run two linebackers, uh, you know, in most defensive situations. I get that, and I get that Demario Davis and Pete Warner are going to be those two guys. Uh, but remember, you know, Warner's been nicked up each of the, his first two years, and it was those injuries that gave Caden Ellis a chance to really break out last year, and he did so in a big way big enough unfortunately for the saints to earn some big free agent dollars and depart so bond in my opinion is going to get the first crack uh you know at, at taking over the the caden ellis role uh that caden served uh you know for the saints which is to be that third linebacker predominantly on early downs and short yardage situations but bond has been given that shot uh, you know over his first couple years and was unable to take it away from caden ellis or anybody else when quan alexander was there too uh and the, uh, just like with uh, uh, on offense at the skill positions, the Saints have some young legs here now. DeMarco Jackson, a guy who I'm uh, really high on, and the coaches love him too. He's coming back from a year end season-ending injury from a year ago. Uh, you know, Nick Anderson from Tulane. Uh, you know, the kid from Vanderbilt, uh, and for me, Orgy. Or- Orgy. Uh, you know, is Bond going to be able to hold them off? Because you know. We just talked about Peyton Turner, and a guy like Peyton Turner, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt as long as possible because he, the team invested a number one draft choice in him. That's not the case with Zach Bond. I mean, yes, a third-round pick you expect to get something out of, but you're not financially invested in him for X number of seasons. So I very much can see Bond on the practice or uh, on the roster bubble very, very early. Uh, and if the Saints at any point in time sign a veteran free agent linebacker, uh, I don't expect it to be if – if it happens at all, I don't expect it to be until after next month's minicamp because I think that they're going to give – you know, Bond and uh, you know, Jackson and these other young guys, they're going to give them the reps at linebacker to see what they have there. But if they, if they don't like what they see and they sign a, a veteran free agent linebacker, then a guy like Bond, you know, that, that hour class is, uh, is running out fast for him. We don't follow it nearly as closely as you do. Is, is Quan Alexander hooked up with anybody yet? 
He is not. He is still a free agent. Uh, yeah, he is one of you know, three, three or four uh, you know, very interesting names uh, still available at linebacker on the free agent market. And Quan, of course, is going to stick out to Saints fans the most because of you know, because of his experience with Dennis Allen and that system, and because he's played so well with the Mario Davis. Uh, but no, you know, Quan Alexander is among a few names still floating out there. It's, it's- is the problem that Quan thinks too highly of himself as far as how much money he uh, expects and clubs aren't willing to pay that amount? Because he's he's been in the league, he's talented. Um, is that the, is that where the divide comes? Uh, Jordy, that was part of the issue last year. Uh, you know, we were hearing that the Saints uh, were interested in bringing Quan back. Uh, you know, and uh, but but Quan wanted to come back. Not it wasn't so much a money issue between the Saints and Alexander last year. Uh, you know, it was a playing time issue. Quan felt like he, uh, you know, at this stage of his, that stage of his career, still deserves starters reps. The team was more excited and more, uh, you know, concentrated on moving on with Pete Warner, uh, you know, and giving, you know, Quan a lot less reps. Now, hindsight being 2020 with Warner getting injured, you know, Quan would have been the guy to step up instead of Caden Ellis, uh, you know, and, and he instead went on to the new, with the New York Jets and had himself a solid solid season. So with a guy like Quan, I'm not sure. Uh, I know it wasn't last year. I'm not sure it is 100% about money as much as it is starting reps. And with the Saints, he's he's not going to get as many reps as what he would with uh yeah, with say another team. Uh but yeah, if he's still if he's still available on that free agent market come mid-June or mid-July, uh all of a sudden a player's priorities change. They want to earn that paycheck and <laughs> and that chance for another contract to extend their career. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Have the Saints improved the wide receiver position enough where they can finally say, Trey Quan Smith, okay, it's been a nice run, but but you got to go somewhere else because uh, other than a rookie season, he has been, I mean, lukewarm at best. I certainly <laughs> hope the Saints have a better receiving core uh, where they can depart ways with him. I'm, I'm not sure yet, uh, and I don't <laughs> – I, I want to be very careful because I know sometimes I come across uh, as you know, my feelings with Traquan Smith is maybe he wronged me on a personal level. Uh, yeah, and I, that, that's not the case at all. Uh, but you know, he just he, he's never been able to to seize the several opportunities that were afforded to him to have a factor in this offense. And you know, you look at this receiving core now on paper. If it's healthy, and that's a big if, but if it's healthy, I don't see a place for Traquan Smith here. Uh, you know, obviously, Michael Thomas, again, if healthy, uh, Chris Olave, they're going to be your starting two. You'd think Rashid Shaheed would get most of the reps at number three or certainly a, a, an, an elevated role in the offense. But then they go out and they bring a, a former starter in like Brian Edwards and another former starter in like James Washington. Uh, those are going to be the guys that are going to compete with Trey Quan Smith for this spot. Now, Trey has the edge because he has been a saint and he has been in the system for several years. But again, you're talking a new quarterback, kind of a new way, a different thing, a different way of doing things. Uh, yeah, and now you have also competition from a sixth round pick in A.T. Perry. Um, yeah, if the Saints keep six wide receivers, one of those guys is going to be a return specialist, maybe a guy like Malik Flowers. 
the rookie undrafted guy. It's not going to be Traquan Smith. For Traquan to earn his way onto this roster, he's going to have to make plays as a pass catcher. I realize, you know, so many people that have defended him over the years, oh, you know, he's a good blocker, good blocker at the oh, position. Yeah, that. I get that. And he heck is. With that. But the last time I checked, what do you pay wide receivers to do? Yes. Get separation. Yes. Catch the ball and make yards. Those are three yes. things that Traquan Smith has never been able to do, and I think his roster spot is seriously in jeopardy. I cringe when I hear, oh, he's a great blocker. Uh-uh, sorry. <laughs> that means he can't catch, and I don't want him on my team. Bob, right. the, news network. The, the, other, the other position I think that's going to be very interesting to see, we all know that when healthy, that Marshawn Lattimore is the Saints' lockdown number one cover corner. But opposite of him, or you got, I think you got a horse race here. Paulson Adebo had a great rookie year, then he got injured his second year. Here comes Alante Taylor, has a really good first year. That that second cornerback position is up for grabs. Who, who do you like in that uh, race? Uh, Jordy, I like Alante Taylor, uh, and I think the coaches do too. Uh, that's why we saw when you know, when Marshawn Lattimore was able to come back into the lineup late in the year from injury last year, we saw we saw Adebo get the bulk of the snaps in the first game that that Lattimore was back, um, but they didn't like what they saw, and they went back to Alante Taylor for those last two games. It's going to be a dogfight, like you said, and it's, I think it's going to bring out the best that both players have to offer in Adebo and Taylor. And listen, they are—they're both going to get their opportunities in today's NFL. You just—you know—you you face three and four wideouts on ne- in nearly every play. Um, you know, but but who's going to be the number two dog to go beside Lattimore? That's going to be the fight. Uh, I got to believe that Taylor has the edge early on, just because of his physicality. Uh, you know, and his ball skills are a little bit above what we saw from Adebo in his first two years. But man, that's going to be a fun fight to watch, especially you know with these cor- young corners going against those young receivers that we just got done talking about. The, the young receivers are fighting for a job, for a livelihood. These cornerbacks are fighting for starting job and the headline. So it's, it's going to be a fun battle uh, you know, to watch practice in and practice out all summer long. Please tell me that um... Uh, an undrafted rookie that missed the entire rookie season a year ago from Auburn, the safety smoke Monday. If he gets clear, please tell he's he he's got the energy of a Chauncey Gardner Robin. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he really does. Um, boy, what, what are you expecting anything out of a smoke Monday? Yeah, I am. Uh, you know, Smoke Monday is a fun guy to watch. Uh, you know, a lot of range on the back end. Uh, you know, he just he wants to make the play every single snap that. and that kind of energy, that kind of desire is infectious throughout the entire unit. Uh, you know, I don't like you know, coming out of college, coming out of Auburn and watching his film. Smoke made a lot of mistakes, you know, instinctually, uh, you know, or instinctively, excuse me. Uh, you know, he just found himself in the wrong positions and things like that. It wasn't lack of ability or lack of athleticism. It was just over-aggression. But if that can be harnessed, uh, you know, I, I think that he brings that kind of 
aggression and that kind of chip on his shoulder play that we did not see from the Saints safeties after they traded Gardner Johnson last year. So yeah, I think I think Smoke Monday uh, you know is going to throw his hat into the ring early on for a legitimate shot on this roster. Uh, you know, May Matthew, they're your starters; they're not going anywhere. Lonnie Johnson, they brought him in to be a PJ Williams type of player, so uh, you know he's going to be tough to un you know, to unroot. Uh, you know, Jordan Howden. I know he's only a fifth-round pick, but he brings that same kind of skill level uh, that they brought Lonnie Johnson in to do. Uh, but it's that it's that fifth and sixth spot, uh, you know, at safety that's going to be between Smoke Monday, J.T. Gray, the special teamer, the veteran Jonathan Abram, uh, you know, and you know, Smoke, Smoke's going to battle him on every single every single practice. I, I I absolutely give him a good shot to to take a job. It'd be fun. He's the best in the business. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. It's the Black and Gold Report each and every Tuesday. Heck, the season's not that far off, Bob. Let's roll, baby. Let's go. The only bad thing about football season starting is it means summer's coming to an end. So I, I'm torn there. I'd like to enjoy my summer. Uh, but, yeah, I'll tell you what, you graduations time. are in the air. Prom is in the air. And football is yeah. in the air. Even though the games might not count yet, it's going to be a fun next couple of months. That's for sure. And Bob, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. As always, you're the best. Thank you so, so very much. Thank you, my friend. It's all my pleasure. You have a, a great week. All right, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Back to wrap it all up with a couple of uh, birthday wishes next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. And our great partners like ShopRite, Tobacco Plus Discount Outlet, 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. Man, if you can't ShopRite at ShopRite, you just can't ShopRite at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air. From the inside out, Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unworn inches in permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, Mandeville. The Louisiana Lottery, so many games to play, so many opportunities to win, but you can't win until you start playing and play responsibly. DC's Little Capital X on I-10 at the Henderson, Cecilia Exit. Of I-10, uh, a true soul food deli tucked away in the corner. I'm telling you, everything cooked to order. Try the cheeseburger once. Tell me if that's not the best thing your palate has ever tasted. And by Cajun Chef, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. Download the free Game Mobile app from either Android or Apple services so you can take the Blonde Bomber with you always. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. All right, still a rain delay in the tournament. Game two, Texas A&M three, Tennessee zip, top of the ninth inning. LSU will play tomorrow against South Carolina at 930. McNeese versus Texas A&M Corpus Christi today at 6 out there in Lake Charles, and tomorrow the Cajuns will take on Texas State in the Sun Belt Conference Tournament. Special thanks to all of our guests, Anthony Renato, Chris Dotson, Bob Rose. If today, May 23rd, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Aaron Donald, superstar defensive lineman, is 32. 
and the greatest coach in the history of LSU athletics. Skip Bertman is 85 years young today. James Mesh, thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening in whatever form or fashion that you do. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4. Same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Be kind to one another. And let's be happy. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh up next. So long, everybody.